Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. So I'm excited to share with you today in this final message in this series that we've been in called Better on the Other Side. It's for me, it's been one of the most timely series uh, that we've ever done. It's honestly so practical for us. It's been so refreshing. And many of you, we've connected uh, in online chats online and just loved it. Like I loved hearing uh, your, your take on the series. And uh, we learned about putting God first in our days. We put about God first in our direction and our disappointments. And last week we learned about wisdom and that if we're going to be better on the other side, we need to have a teachable spirit. And so there's a story that we're going to look at today in the Bible found in three of the four gospels. It's, we're going to look at it together. If you have to get your Bibles open to Luke chapter 8. It's a story that if you've been in church before, really maybe in any context or church, uh, maybe you've heard this before, but it's the story of Jesus uh, returning back to Galilee. And it says that a crowd began to gather and a leader of the synagogue named Jairus came to Jesus. Jairus falls at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to heal his 12-year-old daughter. Now, now, this was nothing new to Jesus, really. Like earlier in the chapter, if you read, he's calming a storm with the disciples, and he's casting out a, a demon out of a person. And really, up until this point, he's already gone from miracle to miracle, from healing to healing. And so Jesus just leaves to go with Jairus to the house to heal his daughter, which brings us uh, today to the story that we're going to look at. And the title of my message is called A Divine Interruption. A divine interruption. In Luke chapter 8, starting in the second half of verse 42, it says, As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. To say like, hey, there's so many people. How are we supposed to figure out who actually touched you? But Jesus says this in verse 46. Someone deliberately touched me, and I felt healing power go out from me. And so when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and to fell at her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she'd been immediately healed. And daughter, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So again, we're t- today we're talking about this divine interruption, a divine interruption. Would you pray with me today? God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the story of Jesus that we can learn so much from. God, I pray that your word would speak to us today. God, that my words are ordinary words, but with you, they're extraordinary. So God, I pray for your presence to be felt today. We love you and same your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So because of this story of Jesus going back to Galilee in what looks like a divine appointment, right? Like Jesus arrives. Jairus' daughter is sick. But as we see, he leaves to go to his house to, to heal her. But then all of a sudden, he's almost crushed by a crowd. And then all of a sudden, an interruption as the woman who touches Jesus' cloak. And as we read, he stops and he asks, who touched me? Now Jairus, like what about him, right? Think about this. Literally, he has Jesus, the Messiah, coming to his house to heal his daughter when all of a sudden Jesus is interrupted. What is your response when we get interrupted? When we're locked in, 
Like we're in the zone and then all of a sudden something or someone is vying for our attention. My personality and the way my brain operates, I know it varies based on really what I'm doing or who is interrupting me. Like if it's my wife, like I'm going to drop everything for whatever she may need, or at least I try to. But other people in my life, I may not act the same way. If it's people I don't know, sometimes I can get annoyed. Maybe the weather's an interruption for you, right? Like you had plans to golf and you woke up and you're so excited, but it was downpouring again. Or you wanted to go outside and because the weather was nice, but then you start to get the sniffles because of allergies. And I'm just talking about my real life interruptions here. But for really, for all of us though, this season has been a complete interruption. Like our plans, our ideas of what 2020 was gonna look like, right? Completely interrupted. None of us making New Year's resolutions were thinking, well, we're going to make these resolutions, but from March to June, let's just erase that from the calendar, right? Like none of us did that. Maybe at the beginning of the year, you set out some resolutions and you had this vacation planned or it was going to be this great time. We're going to take the kids to the beach and they're finally going to be able to dip their toes into the crystal clear water. And then all of a sudden it's delayed or it's canceled. It's an interruption, Maybe in your marriage, you were hoping that this was the year. Things were finally going to start getting better. Or maybe in your finances, your health, and all of a sudden this pandemic happens and what was broken before seems to have a magnifying glass on it now. So what happens when there's a divine interruption? Know this, interruptions only occur when you're doing something. They can only occur when you have a plan. Like in this story, we can learn some things from Jesus because he had a plan. He was going to Jairus' house to heal his do- Jairus' daughter. And all of a sudden, he gets interrupted. And so here's some things we can learn from Jesus. The very first one is that he was present. He was present in the woman's situation, the interruption. He, but he kept going, but he, he stayed the course. He could have, but he stopped and he was present in her situation. He showed compassion. He he kept going as well in the story, but he also showed compassion for the woman in the moment. So what happens when there's a divine interruption? Maybe there's moments or there are times in our lives when we're divinely interrupted. And oftentimes, at least in my life, I just keep moving. I just kind of put past whatever that interruption may be, and I just keep moving forward. In Scripture, I like to put myself in the story that I'm reading. It's because it's not just a story about what we're reading about. It's life that we're actually living out right now. And so for me, I put myself into the story of people. I'm going to this destination, and I know where I need to go, and I'm just walking, and I'm getting, I'm crowded around people. And all of a sudden, if I get bumped or if I get touched, to be honest with you, I'm not looking back to see who touched me or who bumped me. I'm just moving forward. I'm going to my destination. I think in this situation, in the story God is speaking to me, speaking to you today, that in, in this rup- interruption of this pandemic, although it's bad, and although that there are so many things going on in our cities and society and our country and throughout the world, that this interruption, this isn't just any interruption, that this is a divine interruption. And we can learn from Jesus today in every day that we can stop and we need to look back and we need to see the people that are right in front of us. 
Our interruptions look like so much of our livelihood being stripped away, right? Like we can't go to the coffee shop we want to go to. We can't go to the restaurants. We can barely even go see family that we would love to go see. Sports canceled, vacations gone, graduation out the window. Now some of these things are coming back, sure, but right now our divine interruption looks like these fleeting pleasures of our world being removed removed from us. These fleeting pleasures that trap us so easily in sin that we can't break free from even. Like the interruption, now we can't waste any more money at the, at the casino gambling it away or getting drunk every night because the bars are closed and late nights being away from your home with people from your office. And I'm just believing in Jesus' name that some of those addictions, some of those patterns are being broken during this interruption. Come on, somebody. I believe it's a divine interruption that God, that the story of Jesus, that the Bible, the story of Jesus in this moment, walking in a crowd, that he gets touched and he's interrupted, that this interruption that we are facing right now is the same thing. It's a divine interruption. And we can learn from Jesus' story today. And we can learn from him every day that when there's a divine interruption, what we need to do, we need to stop. We need to pause. And we can look and see who's in front of us. Why? Why are they vying for our attention? What's happening here? We can look at the person in front of us and we can see their needs. We can see their pain. We can love them the way that Jesus would. How did Jesus love in this story? He stopped. He showed the woman that she mattered. He shared his love with this woman. He shared and showed his love because he stopped and he had compassion. Are you going to get better on the other side? How are you going to handle this divine interruption? Hey, we can't stay here. If we're going to get better on the other side, we can't stay here. But while we are here, there are some things that we need to learn. There are some some things that we need to learn so that way we're on the other side. We can actually be better as a person. We can actually be better as a family, as a community, as a city. And we can rise up to handle this divine interruption in a way that Jesus did. And that's with compassion. Now, I want to stop right there because I know sometimes compassion can get mixed around with words like empathy and sympathy. And so just to to make sure we're all on the same page here, empathy refers to the feeling of what another person is feeling. Sympathy means I understand what the other person is feeling, but I don't feel for it myself. Now, compassion, compassion means your feelings have prompted you to take action, to relieve a suffering of another person. They're different. Compassion. There's three things I'm going to give you about compassion. The very first one is, you can write this down, is compassion. It demands action. It demands us to do something, not just click share, not just click like. It requires us to actually do something. We can look at the life of Jesus, and every single time you see in the Bible that Jesus had a compassion for someone or a group of people, he did something. He healed them. He fed them. In this story of this interruption, what did he do? He stopped, and he found out who it was, and he was there for that woman, and she was healed with the touch. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees the disciples in a boat, and the Bible says that he was planning on walking on by, but he stops, and he calms the storm. He acted with compassion. When the crowds were hungry, he noticed and he said that when people need to be healed, he saw and he saw that he saw that they needed to be healed, then he healed them. And when they were thirsty, he gave them something to drink. He acted with compassion. 
And when I fail to remember the compassion of our God, I fail to recognize his power. I fail to recognize his love, his authority. And if I miss out on all that, I miss out on God. True compassion demands action. It demands action. In James 2.17, in the message version, it says this. Isn't it obvious? God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. Come on. God talk without God acts is nonsense. Like faith by itself is not enough. It has to cause us to act. We have to do something with it. Let me ask you something. Did the woman in the story have faith that Jesus could heal her? Did Jairus have faith that Jesus could heal his daughter? The answer to both of those is yes, but they also had to take action. She had to go through the crowd. He had to approach Jesus. Faith by itself is not enough. We must act. God talk without God acts is nonsense. Compassion, it demands action. When we see a person in need, Let's not just have faith that their situation is going to change. Let's step up and do something and help their situation. Listen, hoping is not helping. We need to step up. Here's the bottom line for me, and I'll just be real honest with you. The more I obsess about social media, did you like my picture? How many people saw my story? What's up? Did you laugh at my video? Did you see that? How many comments did I get? The more I obsess about social media, the more I care about me and the less I care about other people. The more I obsess about Jesus and want to know him and to serve him and to get close to him, the less I care about me. Suddenly I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. In other words, I'm literally dying to myself so that I can follow him. The more I get close to Jesus, the less I care about myself. And strangely enough, the more I care about other people. So I want you to think about this. Really just think about it. Like when was the last time that you've given a whole day or maybe even a whole weekend to serve somebody else? When was the last time that you've gone significantly out of your way to give financially? Not just because that's what you thought you were expected to do, but something like you felt it and you felt the difference was going to be made in someone else's life. When was the last time that you didn't do something that you really wanted to do? Because you went and you invested that time into someone else. A lot of you would say, yeah, I've done that recently. And hey, praise God for you. But some of you, you can't remember the last time that you did. And if that's the case, that just might tell you that you're not as close to Jesus as you thought you were. Because when you're really close to Jesus, when you're really as close as you are to him, life is not about us. It's about glorifying him. It's about loving others. It's about serving. It's about compassion that demands action. It's not just seeing someone who needs help. It's having this internal desire to do something about it. Compassion, it demands action. The second thing I want you to write down about compassion is that it comes with a cost. Compassion comes with a cost. In 1 John 3.17 it says if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, meaning they don't do anything with it, how can God's love be in that person? If you have enough stuff but you don't do anything with it, what's the point of your stuff? 
You can replace words like time or treasure or talent into this, this scripture. It's going to take you sacrificing something that you're holding on to. And I don't know what that is for you. It could be your precious Saturday morning where you could be golfing or boating or sleeping in, but instead you're serving. It's going to cost you your preferences, the pleasures of this world. It's going to cost you treasure. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you that you've been holding on to these things in your house for so long, knowing that you're not going to use it. You can finally get rid of that. You can be a blessing with it. It's going to cost you something like talents, like the talents that God has given you, the knowledge, the skills to build something for somebody else or to help them with their finances and get them out of, out of a living paycheck to paycheck. It's going to cost you the gifts that God has given you. But everything we have is a gift from God. Compassion comes with a cost. Hear me out. I'm not saying it's going to be comfortable. I'm not saying it's going to be comfortable, but co the cost is for us is to, no matter what the prerequisites are, I'm going to act. No matter what my prejudices are into that situation, I'm going to act. No matter what the conditions of the environment are, I'm going to act. No matter what the division is felt, it's going to cost us to lay down anything that may be bringing us into a situation that will hold us back from true compassion, the same compassion that Jesus has. Compassion demands action, and compassion comes with a cost. And when we do that, when our heart is full of compassion, we handle this divine interruption differently. It makes the world different. And as a church, we're committed to this before COVID. Like I said before, like this, we already had some stuff set up, and we're going to be doing some stuff after because we are going to be better on the other side as we're filled with compassion. I love the way that Pastor Colby says it. He says, we're going to reach the lost at any cost. Don't miss this. If there's no limit to God's love for his people, why on earth would we limit his ability to use us by some made-up measure in the first place? Even though it's going to come with a cost, we do it anyway. Why? Because compassion changes lives. That's the third thing I want you to write down. Compassion changes lives. Compassion, it demands action. It comes with a cost, and it changes lives. And that's both inside and out. Check this out. We were created in such detail that these little chemicals get released in our body when we do some things. Now, I'm not a scientist, but this is what I've seen. We see this, like if you're an athlete, like you get this thing called the runner's high. Right? It's like where you're going and you're certain point of your training, you're running. And really at that point, it does not matter how much further you go, you're locked in. It's these endorphins that just get released and you just kind of keep moving. And researchers have discovered that kindness and investing in others can influence the quality of life. And so there's this chemical in our body that releases. It releases when we do something, when we see somebody else have an act of kindness, or when we receive an act of kindness, and it's called oxytocin. Oxytocin, it improves the immune system, and it makes humans feel happier. And happier people are shown to live longer. The more oxytocin in our bodies, the more generous we will actually become, the more compassionate we will be. Don't miss this. We were created in such a way that our lives are better by helping other people out. Our creator created us to serve him. And when we do that by serving his people, every time we do, we get a little boost 
of oxytocin, a little boost of oxytocin. And it's just like working out, right? The more you work out, the stronger you're going to get. The more you eat healthy, the healthier you'll be. The more you seek God first and whatever it is that you do, the closer you will be to God. And so the more that we uh, serve and the more that we receive and the more that we see acts of kindness, the more oxytocin is going to be released. And the more that that happens, the more evident it is going to be in our lives. And so every time we do something, every time that we, we come and we, we buy a box, every time we put some stuff in the box, like we got some life cereal, we're having breakfast up in here, we got some potatoes, we buy some food, we buy some, some mac and cheese, we hand out some pancakes. Every time we pack a box and we, we say a little prayer over, we put a little note of encouragement inside the box, every single time we take that, we put the box inside the truck, and the box goes down the road. And we're just believing that all this stuff, the peanut butter, the jelly, the, the soups, the pancakes, whatever it is, we're just believing that that is going to change a life. And in Jesus' name, we just believe that that box of rice, the mac and cheese, the, the life cereal, all that is going to do is going to change. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, we just give it to God. We have no idea what's going to truly happen. But we're taking action. We don't care the cost of a box. We don't care the cost of some cereal or some pancakes. We're taking action. Because what we do know is that God will use us to bring hope for Erie. Compassion, it changes lives. Let's be people who accept this divine interruption with open hands, not hard hearts. Like, let's not be so frustrated when we see stuff, but be so moved by it and be moved with compassion, if we're committed to compassion, hey, it's going to demand us to act. It's going to come with a cost, but it's going to change lives. And our commitment to compassion will help others realize that they matter. Our compassion will bring hope for Erie. It can strengthen us. It can spur even a little favor of faith towards Jesus. And it starts with you. It starts with me. This is for every single person who's listening to the sound of my voice right now. It starts with you. Are you going to get better on the other side? Are you going to look at this divine interruption the same way that Jesus does? With true compassion. I know you might push back and say, Will, one person can't change the city. One person can't change the world. Let me be really honest with you. Yes, he can. His name is Jesus. And everything has been and always will be about him. Jesus is one man, fully man, fully God. And because of him, the Holy Spirit, his power, he uses us to change the landscape of our city, to redeem it again for him. He gives us the same sense of feeling of compassion that he has for people and it comes into our lives and as individuals and as collectives we are changed by Jesus and we can bring hope for Erie. God feels for his people. God sees our pain. He understands our anguish. He sees how we were deceived and so we acted and ultimately this is exactly why we're here because of God because he loved us so much. He loved you so much. He saw everything going on, and so we acted. He sent his son Jesus, not to click a share button, not to say, oh, I feel bad for them. 
and not do anything else. No, he sent his son, Jesus, for us. Because he wanted to alleviate our distress. He had a desire for us to have a right relationship with him again. And so Jesus, being fully God, fully man, he came for you. And he came for me. And because of him, we can now have this right relationship with God. And so in the garden, when Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, you can look at it on your own, they felt shame. You know what God did? He responded instantly with action. And the result of that is why we're here today. It's because of one man, Jesus. And in John 3, 16, one of the most popular verses in all of the Bible, it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God has compassion for his people. Compassion demands action. It comes with a cost, but it changes lives. And if we're going to get better on the other side of this divine interruption where everything on this side, where we are right now, has been shaken up in ways that none of us could have even imagined, we need to accept this interruption and do something about it. Compassion, it demands action. It comes with a cost, and it changes lives. Compassion is this ache inside of us for somebody else's feeling for their pain and a desire to do something about it. And yet in our society where we care even less, as followers of Christ, that's not who we are. We can't represent Jesus that way. And therefore, we're going to care. And because we care, we're going to act. And no matter the cost, it can help change a life. Church, would you pray with me wherever you are? as we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our homes, wherever you're watching from today. Father, I thank you so much that your Spirit is speaking to me today. God, that your Spirit is speaking to all of us today. God, that in a broken world, in a hurting world, that we, changed by you, because of what you've done, by sending your Son, Jesus, for us, we can change the landscape of a city. We can redeem it back for you. God, I thank you for the hearts that the people that are listening to this message, God, I pray, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do something that I can't do, that your Holy Spirit would speak to them in such a way that they would not even be able to go to sleep tonight without caring for somebody else, without taking action in a situation so that they know that they can help it. God, I thank you for the compassion, this desire to change, and that a, a church can change a city as we're moved by you. God, Father, I pray that we would be moved with compassion to make a difference. Father, I thank you for the organizations and the different ministries and businesses that will start all to share the love that you've shared with us through your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for giving us that spirit of compassion, for giving us the eyes to see the people that are right in front of us. God, I pray that in this divine interruption, we would just stop and we would see that person and we would care for them, that we would love them, that we would share with them the same love that you've given us. So we stay in this moment of prayer. I know that there are those of you who are, have never put your faith in Jesus before. And you're realizing right now that the compassion that we've been talking about, the compassion that demands action, it comes with a cost, it changes lives, that you right now 
are on the receiving end of that. You realize right now that no matter what anybody else says, you're worth it. God loves you. God took action by sending his son Jesus for you. And there's a stirring in your spirit right now. That's not by accident. It's not by chance. It's not by coincidence. That's the very presence of God working through the Holy Spirit to draw you near. Know this, your life has been paid for. Not with the fleeting value of money or anything that we could put on it. No, it was paid by the precious blood of Jesus who lived this perfect and sinless life, who was sent to save us. And because God had a desire to act, he wanted to change and have a right relationship between us and him. And he sent himself in the form of Jesus, not because we earned or deserved it, but because he loved us. He saw our pain and he did something about it. He took action and the cost was his son, Jesus. Jesus was crucified. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross for you. Three days later, he conquered the grave and was resurrected again to new life, paving the way for us to have this right relationship with God. And I believe that God has brought you right here to this moment for you to accept his son, Jesus, and the life that he wants to change next is yours. That's why you're here, and that's why I'm here. The greatest act of compassion, it was the passion of Jesus to suffer, to die on that cross for us. He had a heart. It was for the broken world. It was for his people. God's the only one that's going to change your life, not me. I'm just here to help guide you along, to give you the words to say. The words don't even matter as much as you act on the belief. Now you would surrender your life to him. I'm going to give you some language that you can pray right now if that's you and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus. You can say something as simple as this, Jesus today. I give my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and you were raised again to give me new life. Jesus, I turn from my sins and I return to you to receive you, receive your free gift of salvation. Today, I confess you as Lord and Savior and I choose to follow you, Jesus, with everything that I am and it's in your name I pray, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.